It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on Newstalk 95.3. Michiana's News Channel, your breaking news and weather station. With financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran, and Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett, and the inspired team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies Program. Good morning, folks. Welcome to another episode of Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group, right here on News Talk 95.3, Michigan's news channel, the show that helps you take your next wise step in your financial life every single week. I'm your host and one of the advisors, Mike Bernard, along with fellow financial advisors, Kevin Corhorn and Joshua Gregory. Today, we're wrapping up our three-part series on the different phases of your retirement. We've already covered the go-go years and the slow-go years, and today we're going to be discussing the no-go years. So whether it's the end of your retirement or a family member's, uh, hopefully we'll be able to help you anticipate what's in store for your financial life during this last stage of retirement. All right. As always, folks, it's your show. So if you don't want us to talk about that, well, too bad. That's what we're talking about today. Uh, But if you want to talk about something different next week or you got a question or just something you want to get off your chest financially, reach out to us. 574-222-2000 or wisemoneyradio.com. Dot com or at Wise Money Radio on Facebook. So, okay, so folks, we talk about retirement all the time. Uh, how to how to plan for it, strategies to help you get there, how you know when you're actually there. But all that experience has really meant that we've helped a lot of people through retirement as well. And that's what we've been talking about the past few weeks is what does retirement actually look and feel like and these three different stages. So it's been it's been a, a wild ride. We're concluding it today, all about trying to help you navigate retirement and plan for it successfully. So today we're concluding the three-part series. We're talking about stage three, the no-go years. Kevin, help us break that down. I will, and I'll try to take into account the feedback that you gave me, Ed. Okay, so for the go-go years, most folks, the go-go years begin in earnest about 18 months into retirement. So people have gotten used to the six Saturdays and the Sunday, and they've likely done one or two of the things on their bucket list, and they've gone through the grieving process to grieve the things that were awesome about work and their career, and they've accepted that they won't have those things in their life anymore. So they're ready to go. And they're really uh, retiring from something, and now they're going to graduate to retire to something. And so we try to encourage clients to have the years leading up to retirement look as similar to the early retirement years as possible. Try kind of a, a trial run. So, you know, with that said, it is possible that you begin your go-go years while you're still working. And again, uh, you know, these are years that you're very active, using your time and energy to do some of the legacy adventures that you may have deferred for 50 or 60 years. And now, so people say, well, what's, what's the difference between the go-go and the slow-go? And when do you transition? And you could spend 20 years in the go-go years or you could spend two years. You could spend two months in the go-go years. The slow-go years are usually marked by your desires are changing. So what you want to do um, changes, and that uh, then follows a behavioral change. So just a, as a contrast between the go-go and the slow-go years, I just met with some folks. They're about five years into the go-go years, and they're fully adjusted, enjoying their lifestyle very much, having lots of fun. Their peer group is having lots of fun. And so they're getting ready to trade their pull-behind camper for a fifth-wheel travel trailer. So this fifth wheel is going to give them all the room necessary to accommodate a longer-term living away from home and do the things that they want to do. That is the go-go. 
the transition from the go-go to this logo, I have some folks that are getting ready to sell their truck and their fifth wheel travel trailer. It's just too much. And they're not, they're going to graduate out of that lifestyle. They're going to uh, get a different vehicle that will still accommodate some of their wishes to travel, but it, it's not going to be as much work as a fifth wheeler. And so um, what we look at as financial planners is the need for income. That's what we're thinking about. So when you think about the need for income in the go-go years, it's driven by lifestyle. What do, what do I want to do? Uh, and the need for cash flow in the slow-go years can be diminished, and sometimes it is, especially if you have your health um, and you're just slowing down. I don't, I'm not going to spend as much because I'm not going to take as many trips with the fifth wheeler or something like that. Um, so, but it, another trigger could also be your health and what you can and can't do or what needs to be replaced or treated or whatever. So your health can move you from the go-go years and a lack of resources can move you from the go-go years to the slow-go years. That's interesting to hear you describe the the go-go years and the slow-go years because I, I feel like I've watched my own grandparents go through both of those phases and if they weren't already in the no-go years, I'm pretty confident that's where they're at right now. They are very squarely in the no-go years, and that was very evident to me. We, we actually just did a tour of Ohio, it felt like, last week over Thanksgiving, visiting all of my grandparents. And, um, you know, we only see them maybe once or twice a year, and a lot can change in someone's health mm-hmm. and their, their, their vibrancy, their vitality, everything, um, in, in just a six-month period of time. And... Um, you know, the, the no-go years, I would describe them as kind of the loss of that health that you were describing, loss of energy. Maybe they don't have the same desire or drive that they used to. Um, sadly, I, I would also say it's a loss of freedom mm. and uh, independence, um, sometimes even a loss of a spouse. I mean, if, if you haven't already lost a spouse, this is kind of that last stage of retirement. And um, if the go-go years, what you were describing, Kevin, your your life gets bigger, the world gets bigger, you're traveling, doing all those things. In the no-go years, last stage of retirement, your world's getting a lot smaller. And that's exactly what I observed when I saw my grandparents. I mean, these were these were travelers for sure. And uh, my grandpa admitted to me he hadn't left the house in months. Oh my goodness! Not he, uh, the last time he left the house was to go out on the back porch, and it was in the summer months. Oh wow! And so That's... you know, it's it's sad to see, um, but it it's maybe kind of a natural end. This is kind of the stage that a lot of people just dread yeah. seeing because uh, you, you know no one wants to get to that senior citizen type stage. They want to be young and healthy in retirement, and they want those go go years to last as long as possible. Well, when you say the word dread, I, I also apply it back to finances. And, and I think a lot of people may dread it financially as well, uh, or maybe that emotion uh, makes it hard to plan for. There's big challenges that you face during this stage, but you can do it successfully. That's what we're talking about today. It's not going to be a downer show. We're talking about how you can do this successfully. So, so Josh, let's kick off the discussion about the no-go years, talking about the most important area of your financial life that you need to focus on in order to make these critical years a success in your financial life. Well, you know, to me, the, the question in the no-go years has maybe two, two points. Um, the first one would be your health. 
Yeah. Uh, I, I think we have to start the discussion there because, um, you know, it raises the question of, well, how are you going to pay for the care that you need as you get older? Because all of us, whether we like it or not, if we live long enough, we're going to encounter some sort of health concerns, yeah. right? Some sort of health struggles. And the, the question of how are you going to pay for it? And then also, um, how are you going to receive that care? And the, the how you can pay for it, I, I think of that as an insurance structure uh, type, type of question. Um, you know, there's only so many ways that you can uh, structure your insurance, but this is how most people pay for the normal healthcare type stuff in retirement. Things like doctor's visits and medications, that knee replacement that it seems like everybody ends up getting at some point. Yeah. Um, you know, how, how you pay for that um, is a function of did you structure um, your, your health insurance in retirement um, with, with Medicare being kind of the foundation of your cost containment plan here, uh, did, did you go with a traditional uh, Medicare supplement policy or did you go with a Medicare Advantage approach? We've done an entire show about this in the past, right? And, and here's the deal, folks. You make that decision at 65 and yet your no-go years may start at 85. Yeah, and you've got to live with those consequences. So that's why we—that's why we've gone through this series. That's why we stress the importance of making those decisions early because they're going to impact you twenty years later. Yeah, your no-go years could start at eighty-five, but you could get through go-go, slow-go, and no-go by the time you're in your mid-sixties. Right. That's so, true. So the, it, it is different for every every person, every situation. Mm-hmm. But just like every insurance decision, it's a question of well, how much of the the risk are you going to keep on your own shoulders versus transferring it to an insurance company? And Medicare Advantage is more of a low uh, monthly premium, but higher risk that you're keeping on your your own shoulders. And that could be, uh, you know, very costly to you in these no-go years when medical expenses start to really escalate on you. Yeah. So that could have really helped with your cash flow and your retirement in the early years of retirement but it might come back. And if you're not financially prepared for that in the later years, uh, you might really be suffering or have some big concerns. Now, health insurance and protection planning, that's where we put that, is certainly the most important area that you've got to consider in the no-go years. There's more to unpack with health insurance between Medicare and Medicaid, as well as long-term care insurance. We got that much more coming up here on Wise Money with Horhorn Financial Group, News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel, your breaking news and weather station. Good morning, folks. We're so glad to have you with us. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. My name's Mike. I've got Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory with me in the studio. Casey, working the board as always. Uh, special thanks to the attorneys at Ledoux, Kern, and Keene as well as First State Bank for sponsoring the content of today's program. And today's program, the content is all about uh, wrapping up the third stage of retirement, uh, the no-go years. Sounds ominous, but it's uplifting. We're talking about how to do it successfully here, folks. If you have any questions, comments, uh, or anything you'd like to share with us, go to wisemoneyradio.com or give us a call, 574-222-2000. Uh, okay, so we're we're just starting the discussion about the most important areas of your financial life that are impacted in the no-go year, so that you can prepare best. And we need to talk. We need to keep talking about protection planning. Josh broke down 
uh, the healthcare decision that you have, that's a huge, that really impacts your, uh, your, well, insurance premiums, your financial life as a, as you go through retirement. And that's how you, how you choose to take Medicare. Are you doing A, B, D in a supplement or advantage plan? And I just want to point everyone to, we did an episode with healthcare expert, Ted Foster, uh, back on October 11th. So it's in the podcast, check it out, Google play or iTunes. So if, it, we didn't go too deep with Medicare. And if you're thinking, gosh, I want more, I need a little more explanation there. Go to that podcast episode. It's season two, episode three titles, what you need to know about Medicare. So check that out. But let's continue in, and with long-term care. Yeah. I mean, as important as those Medicare decisions are, and that episode is very important to go back and, and listen to because those are big decisions. Uh, you know, most people in retirement who are on Medicare and have a Medicare supplement policy, they often report to us that, man, this is some great insurance. It covers things so well. And, you know, even though there's some cost to to those premiums, most people would, would probably agree that they're not overly exposed to major financial strain because of those types of health uh, costs. The, the major risk, in my opinion, related to your health and how it could impact your finances is this issue of long-term care. It's a controversial discussion, though. Because there's a lot of people, so you can buy long-term care insurance. Josh, that's probably where you're going to go. Medicare and Medicare supplements, Medicare Advantage, they don't cover long-term care. And so you've got to buy different insurance if you want to protect it. But there's really strong opposing views. Some people say you should never get the insurance. I would say, oh my goodness, you have to consider the insurance. Yeah, I, I would consider this one of the, the biggest financial risks that you face in retirement. Yeah. I mean, this could be catastrophic expenses that you're facing. If you think about it, you know, as you get older and as your health declines, you're becoming increasingly dependent upon other people to help you with your daily routines. Mm -hmm. You know, you might suddenly need help getting bathed and dressed in the morning or preparing meals and maintaining the house. Um, you know, just getting around the house, getting around town, you, you lack some of the, the freedom or the mobility as you get older. And those aren't things that Medicare helps pay for, right? Right. For, for, for the most part. And so, um, you know, it's important to be planning for this, this type of custodial care or kind of maintaining your well-being. We, we call it long-term care because often it's a need that you have for literally a really long time. It, it may be semi-permanent in your life. Mm -hmm. And so to have some sort of protection or a game plan on how you're going to uh, pay for this care, how you're going to receive this care is incredibly important. And if you wait until the last minute when you're actually receiving it, it's too late. And so the insurance, the, the cost of getting this custodial care is extremely expensive. Most people have had a family member or you yourself have gone through this before and I, I'm dealing with it in my family. It is extremely, extraordinarily expensive. So you'd expect the insurance to buy for this protection is also expensive too. Um, however, as you're looking at the ways to plan for this risk, the insurance I'd put at the top list, you've got to consider that first. If you don't like long-term care insurance, oh, there are other ways to plan for this as opposed to just saying, it's not going to happen to me. And, and that's your plan. Because that, folks, that's just not a plan at all. Or some people just default to, well, uh, that's what I have family for. Yeah. Right? right. But, you know, you may not stop to consider, do you have your family living in the area? Do they work full time? Do they have the knowledge and the skills? Are they willing 
yeah. to serve in that capacity. Do you want them caring for you? That's what my <laughs> folks would say. Mike, you're not touching me. We, <laughs> I see the food you make for your kids. You're not feeding that to me. Yeah, I think when you look at, at long-term care, and again, what we're talking about is not long-term care insurance. We're talking about how do you protect your spouse if you're married, if you're not married, how do you protect yourself financially? And really, whatever you've amassed as far as wealth goes, who do you want your beneficiaries to be? And so you say, well, hey, I want, I, if I want my beneficiary to be, uh, you know, my, my medical or other health concerns and to be paying for that, well, that you can do that. Mm-hmm. I looked at that and I've said, you know what, I, I probably get more joy knowing that my wife and my assets and my kids are protected than I would having the couple thousand bucks in my pocket. So I have long-term care insurance, but I, I also, we also have an interesting view on the world. We get to see how tragedy plays out in people's lives from a financial perspective. So you only have to see a few of these cases to say, you know, I, I'm willing to, make a sacrifice or do what it takes to make sure that is a path that I do not go down. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. And that's one of the value adds of a financial advisor. They've got a broader perspective than you have. And so uh, I'd point you to a certified financial planner to help uh, broaden your perspective, help you make a good decision. Now you mentioned beneficiary, Kevin, and I want to point something out. This issue of long-term care, it's a big enough topic. We've hit it a few times on the Wise Money Show, but we're going to be bringing, we're going to be devoting a couple shows to this coming up, bringing some elder law attorneys on and, and talking through this more. But I want to transition. You mentioned beneficiary. Another big area of your financial life that you've got to address in the no-go years is your estate plan. And you've got to be thinking about proactively, well, I'm not going to live forever, which is hard to even accept and wrestle with, but I'm not going to live forever. How do I want my stuff to transition? And you want to make sure that you get all your ducks in a row, all the documents set up and your assets titled and structured correctly for ownership and beneficiaries. Well, the type of documents I think you're referring to, most people's mind goes naturally to having a will, right? Uh, What happens to my stuff when I pass away? Is it going to go to the people or the places that I intend for it to go? But um, there's a very good chance that you may need um, maybe even more important documents in place prior to you passing away. So in this no-go phase of life, not only are you maybe dependent upon people to help you with your daily routine, but you may need to start transitioning some of the responsibility of managing your finances in this stage of life also. And the way our society is going, those legal documents, having that legal authority is needed now more than ever, folks, because Mm -hmm. there are partitions in place. There are laws in place that even though Cindy and I are married and have been married for 10 years, happy anniversary, congratulations, today, today, um, that I can't call and figure stuff out about her 401k. And she can't do the same thing about mine. Even though we're married, we've accumulated those dollars together, her assets are considered her assets. And so trying to manage someone else's affairs as they are unable to in the no-go years, you've got to have those, mm-hmm. they call them medical directives, powers of attorney set up. That's right. Power of attorney is the way that you designate who has the authority to act on your behalf financially, and then uh, designating a healthcare representative, or sometimes we've referred to it in the past as a healthcare power of attorney. That's who gets to talk to the doctors and the nurses and other healthcare providers on your behalf as well. 
Yeah, so statistically, if you are in the no-go years, you are closer to the end of your life than you've ever been. And what every day we are actually. So are the three of us, though. I hate to break it to you. So what you need to do is make sure you are dealing with these things. And sometimes emotionally it's tough to deal with. If I'm dealing with my estate plan, I am acknowledging that I will someday leave this earth. I I will not live forever. And um, sometimes that can be a tough thing to do. But it's so it's so important and it's such a great gift that you can give to those you leave behind to have your financial affairs in order and to go through and say, Hey, who are, who are the players in my financial life? Who's going to move in, step in and take over in the event that I need to, because you know, the, the kids are adults now, which, which one or ones of them are most capable and competent in doing that. And then let's get it, let's get it committed to writing. And do they have access to, to the will? Do they know where your assets are at? All of that. And, and those get, that can be a value of a financial advisor as well. We hear that all the time. No one knows where all my stuff is except my advisor. I'm so glad that you're in my life for this. So, yep. so mom and dad, bring your kids to the appointment with your advisor. There you go. We've got even more to unpack here as well as giving advice on whether you're approaching this stage or in this stage. All that and more here on Wise Money with Four Horn Financial Group, Newstalk 95.3, Michigan's News Channel. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel, your breaking news and weather station. Good morning, folks. Welcome back to Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group here on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Uh, my name is Mike. I've got Josh and Kevin with me in the studio. Special thanks to Bethel College Adult and Graduate Studies, as well as Diane Bennett with Remax 100 for partnering with us on the Wise Money Show, helping us pull this off. Folks, we're talking about the third stage, the final stage of retirement, the no-go years. And we're breaking that down so that you can plan better and have a successful retirement. If you missed anything, go to wisemoneyradio.com or check out the podcast on iTunes. We pointed you there to check out the Medicare show uh, back in October, October 11th, if you want more details on Medicare. You can also check us out on Facebook at Wise Money Radio and at wisemoneyradio.com. Okay, folks, so we are right in the middle of the no-go years. We've talked about how protection planning, figuring out your health insurance, as well as what you're going to do with long-term care, that's one of the most critical areas of your financial life that you've got to attend to in the no-go years, as well as figuring out your estate plan, okay? Uh, I will also say part of that estate plan, uh, people get antsy at this time as they're thinking about estate planning and passing assets on, they start thinking about, well, should I put... Should I, should I uh, start gifting money right now while I'm still alive? And for some people, yes. For some of you, absolutely not. And so sitting down with a financial advisor to talk through whether you should start gifting, whether you should add kids to your bank account, whether you should transfer the house. I get that question all the time. Should I transfer my house into my kid's name? Well, there's some big tax consequences there. There's some liability issues there too. So that's the third area that I'd mention of your financial life that you really need to attend to, but you'd really want to do that with a professional. Okay. So, all right, let's pick it back up and talk about, you know, so the no-go years can be pretty depressing. They're challenging. It's kind of end of life, but we've seen people do it successfully, successfully. And that's what we really want to communicate today. So let's talk about 
What are some of the ways for people to really win financially during the no-go years? You know, I actually had a good example of this uh, just this past week. I had a conference call with a client down in Florida, and uh, he, he was describing to me, uh, he, he didn't know he was helping me with preparation for the show, but he was talking about his preparation for the no-go years, and it all came from watching his mom go through those years. Mm-hmm. And he, he pointed out that as she progressed through retirement, her spending was declining. She got to the point where her 20 grand of income was all she had, was twice what she needed to live off of. Oh my goodness. She was living off 10 grand because she wasn't going anywhere, doing anything. And uh, at at first I thought he was about to make an argument for why he, you know, could start blowing through money really quick now in his earlier years. But he said uh, then that she ended up spending five years in a nursing home. And so even though the later years of retirement, a lot of folks think that hey, I'm going to get to a point in retirement where I'm barely spending anything, so why not live it up while I'm young and uh, you know, get all my fun in at that time? He recognized that, yeah, my expenses might decline for a time, but then if we encounter one of these long-term care situations, you could start spending money at a pace that you've never even imagined before mm-hmm. just because of the cost. So the fact that he has that on his radar screen, he's progressing through retirement knowing that there could be this major expense on the horizon, uh, to me, has himself setting himself up uh, for success there. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think the, the the things that I've seen people do to be most successful, especially at the very end here, is to have a great tax, tax plan. <clears throat> Excuse me. Easy for me to say. So the, a lot of times what, what happens, you get to, to the end of your life and you've got money that's never been taxed. So you have money that's in a retirement plan and you're looking at that and you're looking at your beneficiaries and it's very, very likely that your beneficiaries are in a higher tax bracket than you are, maybe considerably higher. If you've whittled things down to just your social security, social security and pension, and then you have a required minimum distribution, some folks aren't even filing taxes anymore. And so you are filing a tax return. So I would I would make sure if I am either in the no-go years or I have family in the no-go years, I might just encourage them. And that's kind of what the show is about, encouraging people to take action and say, hey, how are you doing? Are, are you filing a tax return? Do you have retirement assets? And just a, just a few um, very inobtrusive questions can uh, give you some sort of an idea of what help someone in the no-go years might need. Yeah. I'm glad you addressed the folks who are younger right now. And uh, it it made my mind go to my wife, actually. So I'll give my wife a shout out here as well, because in my opinion, she's like the dream uh, granddaughter because uh, she's actually been really spending a lot of really quality time with her grandmothers who are both still living. probably you'd call them in the no-go years. And so uh, one of the things she's been doing lately, if if you ever visit the Taco Bell in Edwardsburg on a Thursday afternoon, you're probably going to find my wife and her grandma there. Yeah, 2 a.m. on a Thursday. <laughs> That's possible, I hear. But 12 o'clock noon, okay. Taco Thursday. I won't be there. Uh, Andrea and her grandma, and, and they're just kind of connecting. And Andrea's getting all this rich time with her grandma, hearing stories that she's never heard before, getting all this one-on-one time because she was intentional about reaching out to her grandma. And of course, it just blesses her grandma's heart. Yeah. Uh, because if you're in the no-go years, this can be a lonely stage unless someone is being intentional and reaching out to you. 
Um, if you are in the no-go years, then I would encourage you to be the one who's being pro- proactive and, and reaching out as well so that you stay connected. Yeah. And, um, you know, th- these could be very valuable times. If, if you've got grandparents who are approaching the end of their retirement, um, now's the time to, to hear those stories and to hear those lessons that they've learned in life. Capture those memories while they're available because it's incredibly valuable. So you, that, that sounds like advice. And that's where I was going to go next is if you're not yet in the no-go, if you're not yet retired and trying to plan ahead for this, what would you do? And and I I heard some good stuff there as far as um, planning ahead, but also investing in the next generation, the folks you know in the no-go years. But let me ask, what advice would you give to someone who's already in the no-go years? So how would you, how would you give them advice today? You know, I, I would try to give some encouragement maybe that, the no-go years don't have to be unproductive time just because you're no longer as mobile as you used to be. Um, you know, I, I mentioned that I saw my grandparents over the Thanksgiving holiday, and and one of my grandpas, um, he pulled me aside and he said, hey, Josh, just want you to know, praying for you every single day. And he's been doing that for my entire lifetime. I, I can honestly say not many people can can boast what I can boast, that I have been prayed for my entire life, every day without exception. And he has more time to do that now, that he's not working and um, he's not as mobile. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, he told me, hey, my phone rings 24-7 here at the house. Uh, anytime <laughs> you you have a request, you just let me know. And, um, you know, he, he's embracing the stage of life that he's in right now and what he can do. And often it is looking backwards on your life, looking back to generations that are coming behind you, and you can still have an impact on those people just by spending time with them. Oh, we need that impact. Folks, we need that impact. So if you are in your no-go years, think about right now the action you can take to influence and lead the next generation, whether it's your kids or your grandkids, because we need it, folks. We need it to, to, in the fabric of our country, we need the values that you hold and the wisdom that you have, please, please invest that. I would also give you one other piece of advice if you're in that stage, is money is a very private thing. This is part of why we have the Wise Money Show, is to, is to start the conversation about finances. And if you're in the no-go stage, and, and you haven't shared with someone who's maybe the executor of your will or something like that, basically what's made up of your financial life, you need to make an appointment with your financial advisor right now and disclose to them your entire financial picture. They can help you make sure your estate plan is set up correctly, and they can really help ease a lot of the pain in transition from your assets to the next generation. But that's the bare minimum, though. You know, communicating it to your advisor is important, but I would argue that it needs to be communicated to the family as well. Agreed. I mean, we've all seen horror stories of families being hurt, devastated, um, relationships being broken because... Uh, the family didn't understand why the estate plan was laid out the way that it was. And, you know, if, if you don't provide the reason why, then they're going to be left to come up with their own story for why it happened the way that it did. Mm-hmm. And to, to try to dream that story up when they're in a grieving process or a hurting process, um, it, it, it could leave the, the family exposed to some relational rifts that are unnecessary. Totally unnecessary. So we're going to wrap this all up with some action items. And then we've got a great question from Brenda about some end of year tax planning, whether those donations to Goodwill will actually help you. So that and more here coming up on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group, News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel.
This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel, your breaking news and weather station. Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran, and Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett, and the Inspired Team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies Program. Good morning, folks. Thanks for listening to Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group, News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. My name's Mike, next to Josh, next to Kevin, next to Casey Hendrickson, here in the MNC studios. If you missed anything, go to wisemoneyradio.com. You can check out previous episodes. You can even submit a question right there if you have one for us or just want to complain or, I don't know, complain about Donald Trump or where things are going. Uh, I, you know, whatever. Whatever's on your mind, go right ahead. When you submit that there, it goes right to my email inbox. We'll put it on an upcoming show. Make my taxes great again. <laughs> <laughs> Complain about the people who are complaining about Donald there Trump. You, you, you can, can do, do whatever you, you want to do. You can do that, too. I'd love to hear it, folks. Or give us a call, 574-222-2000. All right, today's been a tough episode, you know, but it's, it's positive. Listen, we all uh, go through three distinct and different stages in retirement. Most of us spend our whole life trying to prepare for that. We want you to prepare even better. So we've been breaking down those three stages over the past three weeks, and today we capped it all off with the no-go years. And we've got some good questions coming up from fans of the show, but I want to package this all together and provide some action items, summary, some takeaway from the discussion so far. You know, the things that stood out to me as you guys were talking, um, if you or your loved ones are already at that no-go stage of life, um, you know, it's, it's time, in my opinion, to start having some important family conversations. And those could be conversations uh, within your financial advisor's office. It could be stuff that you do on your own. But the, the point is, is that it's not just you anymore. It's involving the family. It's discussing questions like, um, you know, what are your end of life wishes? Um, who's who's going to have the time or the energy, the resources to help with providing for your care if you get to the point where you really are fully dependent on other people. And then communicating that existing estate plan. I, I like what you were kind of referring to, Mike, about um, you know trying to eliminate some of the secrets mm-hmm. so that people are actually equipped to help you when you get to this stage. For those of you that haven't gotten there yet, you're, you're not at the no-go uh, stage of, of retirement. To me, it's time to have some planning conversations of your own as well, because this is where you can get all your ducks in a row, be prepared for the no-go stage before you ever arrive there. Questions like, is long-term care insurance right for you? Mm-hmm. And um, you know, building a retirement projection that assumes there's going to be big expenses even when you're in the no-go years, not just... Uh, you know, spend it, uh, spend uh, the the money and have all the fun early on. Plan on there's going to be important needs that you have to cover later in in life, and then also just getting your estate plan developed, even if you're um, you're still not to any of the retirement stages. And I'd like to just address you who are getting ready to retire, and you're going to retire and start your retirement in the no go years because of how you have planned yeah, or how you haven't planned. And I, I would want to encourage you in a couple of different ways. Go see a certified financial planner to help them, to have them help you do the most that can be done with your situation. 
And then I would also, uh, the thing that, that uh, a certified financial planner can help you with is the creativity. So how can you live, and, and you might even need to be changing your lifestyle as you go into retirement and you're, you're going from work to no-go. What could you be doing during those years if you still have life left in you to really give? Where can you give and who can you give to? Mm. And I would be looking, because in our community, there are so many opportunities to serve. And I, I've, as I've told my children many times, um, happiness is found at the, at the end of serving. So figure out how you can serve others and, and really work with someone that can help you and encourage you um, do what you need to do. That's what this whole series has been about. We want you to have a big vision, a big dream for your, what your retirement is, can be all about and how that can influence and lead others. So if you missed anything during the series, check out the podcast on iTunes or at wisemoneyradio.com. We're going to transition here. I got a great question from Brenda, and it's timely too, okay? Uh, age 51, here's what she asked. Is it really worth saving the tax receipts when you make a donation to Goodwill? It's a hassle to keep track of that stuff, so I'm wondering if it's even worth it. I don't know. I'll tell you. Here's what's going on in my house right now. We're, um, we've been on a budget, set money aside for Christmas all year, and now it's time to start buying some gifts. And I'm looking around the closet thinking, uh, I haven't worn that in two years. I haven't worn this in a year. So basically... You know, hey, Cindy, I could use another dress shirt or I could use some jeans or whatever. But in that process, I've got a pile and my wife loves to see it. She walks by it every day. It's literally collecting dust. I've got a pile of all the stuff I'm just not going to wear again. So, uh, could I look through that? Yeah, you can. You can. But I've got to take this to Goodwill. And so, Brenda, your question is very applicable. I don't think I'm the only one doing that. In fact, if I am, Folks, go through your closet right now. Yeah, go be honest your with yeah. yourself. And, right? and say, I'm not, I'm not wearing that again. The skinny jeans, nope, I'm never doing that. So I'm going to give those yeah, to that Goodwill. That fad needs to go away <laughs> in a hurry, doesn't it? That's right. But, I, yes, keep those receipts. Do the, do the good work of donating your unused items to Salvation Army, Goodwill, or anything like that. We're not promoting anyone. Um, but keep those receipts by all means. Yeah, you have to document, right? Yeah. And, and it's absolutely worthwhile to get the credit for giving that gift. Because it's a deduction, by the way. That's right. Um, it, oh, sorry. <laughs> the, Don't confuse people, Josh. We're talking right. finances. Um, get, getting the, um, not a tax credit, but right. the, the moral and uh, ethical, the financial credit for doing it, whatever. But that could translate into a 25% tax write-off for you if you're in the 25% bracket. Plus you get, um, you know, just the, the added room in the closet, as you said. But you're supposed to be writing it off. Aren't you supposed to use garage sale prices? Yeah, they call it thrift value as yeah. opposed to market value. So here's the thing. And we see this all the time, folks. I get it. If you're, if you're going to keep that receipt, if you're going to make the donation, keep the receipt. You want as big a tax deduction as you can get. So you look and say, I'm donating uh, this shirt. Boy, when I bought this shirt, it was 50 bucks. So I'm going to write off $50. No, what's the thrift value? So if you had a garage sale, would you put a dollar on that thing? Technically, if you're doing things above board, that's the amount that you're supposed to write off. Yeah, yeah I've never right. been to a garage sale in Beverly Hills before, but <laughs> that's often yeah. the, the I don't, scale that people use. Yeah, I, I don't think. know that I've ever been to a garage sale where people are selling used underwear. I'm sure it happens, but it's just a little gross. And, I will point you to that place, actually. Okay. Well, I'm one of our, our former presidents actually gave his, his underwear to Goodwill, 
and valued it at eight dollars a pair. Oh my goodness! So yeah, that's uh, so be careful there. Pretty gross to think about. Yeah, it's awful. Mm-hmm. So, but I would. So you get to deduct this if you itemize your deductions, folks, and. Uh, so you either add up all your uh, itemized expenses or deductions, and if that is higher than the standard deduction, then you get to take that. Your itemized deductions consist of ta- state taxes, property taxes, excise tax that you pay, so those sorts of taxes, as well as any mortgage interest that you have, all your donations, and then you might be able to, there are limits, there are, you might be able to deduct some out-of-pocket medical expenses, out-of-pocket investment costs, or unreimbursed uh, job expenses. So if you add all those up, these charitable contributions could really help save you tax dollars. Like you said, Josh, 25%, 15%, 28%. And this will be the time if you're on the bubble, if you're close, but you don't itemize, maybe you hold these donations until next year and give them all next year. Yep. Or if this is a year where you've got a lot of medical expenses, this would be the year to clean out your closet. Like Mike was saying, and Get those donations done so you can pile up your itemized deductions this year. You know, there's one great tax write-off that a lot of people take advantage of this time of year that's worth mentioning, I think. I and, love it. Um, if, if you donate money to a college or a university here in Indiana. And you live in Indiana. If you live in Indiana, you file an Indiana tax return and pay Indiana taxes. Yep. Then you can receive a 50% credit on the first $200 that you contribute. Your spouse could do the same thing. And uh, this is tax credit now, and this is on your Indiana return. So um, the way the math works, if, if you give $200, you get $100 of it back on your Indiana tax return. But you're also getting the same deduction, a deduction on your federal income tax as well. So there could be some federal tax savings also. So before you know it, you know it, it, it could cost some of you $50 to give 200 to a, a local college or university that you care about. Yeah, that's that's great advice and something a lot of people miss. If you missed anything in this episode or, or any part of the series, go to wisemoneyradio.com or check us out on iTunes. Thanks for listening today, folks. On behalf of Josh Gregory, Kevin Corhorn, and myself, the rest of us at Corhorn Financial Group, have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. For Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.